Hi guys, we are David and Lauren Kinney. We have been together for 18 years this coming May and just celebrated 11 years of marriage this New Year's Eve. This is God's story of chaos, hope, and healing in our marriage. Um, I grew up in the Dallas area. I'm the youngest of three with two older brothers. From the outside looking in, we looked as though we were the ideal family. We grew up going to church most Sundays, but it was more about keeping up with appearances. One of my earliest childhood memories was when my mother picked me up from a friend's house um, and told me that my oldest brother was in the hospital. I didn't know it at the time, but my brother, who was 14 years old, had tried to commit suicide. For my brother, that was the start of a very long addiction to alcohol. I too grew up in the Dallas area, but my parents divorced when I was six years old. My earliest memories are fighting, arguing, drugs, alcohol, and the absence of family unity. My dad had custody of my brother and I, who lived with my grandparents after the divorce. At a very young age, I learned to do things without asking for help, and I didn't have any real guidance in life. I remember occasionally going to church with my grandparents, and sometimes my dad, but I really didn't understand who Jesus was. I quickly became the golden child who seemed to do what was asked of me, when in reality, I was learning how to fly under the radar and become self-sufficient, thinking I was in control. Early in high school, I was definitely seen as the good kid compared to now both of my prodigal brothers. I was taught not to share what was going on at home. I was often told, don't tell anyone your brother is in jail or that the police were at our house last night. Just act like everything is fine. Fine. Secret chaos consumed my home life, so I found my worth in my popularity and approval of others. By my junior year of high school, I started dating a guy, and by the end of my senior year, I found out I was pregnant. My mother was equally embarrassed and devastated that her perfect daughter had ruined her future. She, along with others, tried to convince me to get an abortion, but I was too in love with my boyfriend to even consider it. Not surprisingly, that boyfriend broke up with me when I was seven and a half months pregnant. Instead of going away to college like my friends, I stayed in Dallas and gave birth in December of 2003. Fast forward a year later, I received a full scholarship to SMU. The summer before transferring in, I went to a friend's birthday party and connected with a guy I knew previously, David. He was pretty cute, and I thought he would be fun to hang out with for the summer. In high school, I found my identity in fitting in with a popular party crowd and playing sports. My sophomore year, I broke my collarbone playing football and was prescribed pain pills with unlimited refills. Mixing pain pills with alcohol led to a car crash within that same year where I broke my other collarbone. That incident started a vicious cycle of abusing opiates. A few years after high school, I ran into Lauren. She was different from the party crowd. Honestly, probably too far out of my league. So I put, put on my best PR campaign while simultaneously hiding my sins. She thought she was just going to hang out with me that summer, but I had her hooked. And we continued to date. It was, date, it was during this time my father passed away unexpectedly due to his struggle with methamphetamine. I was already abusing pain pills, unbeknownst to most people, but my father's death put me on a fast track of destruction. David was broken, and I saw him physically and emotionally struggle in the days and weeks that followed his father's death. Two months later, David called me to let me know he had been arrested for a DWI. 
I was disappointed in his choices, but forgiving considering the circumstances. Less than 30 days later, David called to let me know he had been arrested again, this time for possession of a controlled substance. I didn't even know what that meant. I was shocked, and we broke up as I knew he wasn't in a good place and needed help. We dated on and off over the next couple of years. I think Lauren gave me more chances than I deserved because she felt sorry for me. She had no idea that the pills existed long before my father's death. I loved Lauren and wanted to be with her, but I was selfish and wanted to numb myself from my pain. During one particular long period apart, Lauren started attending Watermark Church, so I followed suit. At the invitation of a coworker, I started attending Watermark. I thought I wasn't good enough to be in church, but I could set aside the feelings of unworthiness in order to give my daughter the opportunity to grow up in a church. After months apart, David and I started talking again, and he asked if he could join me. During those early years attending Watermark, I saw some major changes in him. He changed his playmates and his playground. He had some major heart changes, and it was incredible to witness his triumph over his past storms. He was changed. I saw the changes and believed him and believed in him. Everyone told me how lucky I was to have him. He was a good man and a provider. We had already been through so much together, had overcome so much together, and now started building a solid foundation together. He was going to make a godly husband, and we were going to create a wonderful life together. We were married on December 31st of 2011. As I started attending Watermark, I learned a little bit more about Jesus, but I thought I could have my cake and eat it too, playing the role of a godly husband while still remaining dependent on my drug. I believed I was too far gone to be redeemed, so the best I can do was control my image while my sin spiraled out of control. Shortly after getting married, we found out we were expecting, and around the same time, we joined a community group for newly married couples. Things were going great. I had everything under control, or so I thought. A few months after we welcomed our second daughter, we had made the decision to get baptized here at Watermark, but I felt like I couldn't take that step without revealing my sins. So on April 20th of 2013, Lauren came home from work, and I had all my pills laid out. I confessed. We were doing all the things. We had completed Merge, Watermark's premarital ministry. We were in a foundation group. We were serving and taking equipping classes and going to Bible study. I'm living in marital bliss, constructing the life I wanted for our family, and then things came to a screeching halt. David was sewing rhinestones on dance costumes for our oldest daughter and making sure we were in, running, in the running for yard of the month every month. We were doing it all. We lived next door to two police officers who we loved like family. My parents knew the signs of drug and alcohol abuse due to my brothers, and they had no idea. No one. No one saw this coming. My world came crashing down, and to make matters worse, David admitted that he was getting his pain pills from my brother. My own brother profited from the destruction of my family, and I was devastated. We reached out to our community. I went to detox and into treatment center for 60 days. This would be great if I could stop, could end the story right here and say that I found Jesus, I sobered up, and we live happily ever after. But that was just the tip of the iceberg as I was full of fear of how I was going to function as I had been an addict for 12 years. 
Hadn't even made it to re-engage yet. I pulled myself together after a few days, naively thinking, okay, it's just a little hiccup. He'll go to detox, go to treatment. I'll be supportive. He'll come home and we'll move on. It's easy. Just apply what you learn and all will be well. Oh, and let's go ahead and start attending re-engage round one for good measure. And that's exactly what we did. Once I left recovery, I began attending regeneration and Lauren and I both started attending re-engage, not because I wanted help, but because I needed help drawing attention away from myself. You see, I left recovery sicker than when I went in. I had learned about heroin and began using daily. But in my self-sufficiency, I still showed up for work, my kids, my kids, church, and even started serving at Watermark with the facilities team. One month to the day after David got out of the treatment center, my oldest brother, the alcoholic, went missing. Eight days later, his body was found. On top of dealing with the death of my brother, I noticed something was off with David. I discovered drugs in our home, later confirmed as heroin. To make matters worse, I got a call from David one afternoon. The Watermark facilities team had called him in as they had evidence he had stolen from the church. This church, the church we were attending and serving, the church our friends go to, the church our daughter attends, not a one-time theft, but on multiple occasions, tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. He was facing felony theft charges. Originally, Watermark was gracious enough to not press charges for the sake of my family and set up an accountability plan. I signed and immediately disregarded, jumping right back into my drug. Lauren reported me back to Watermark, my continued drug use, and I was charged with felony theft. Not, and, but not just from Watermark. I had also stolen from our next door neighbors, the police officers. I'm not sure if I was more embarrassed that my husband did these things or felt more shame in myself that this is who I chose to marry. I wanted a divorce. I did not sign up for this, no thank you. And if I'm being fully honest, I probably thought I deserved better. But instead of filing for divorce, I prayed. I surrounded myself with community. I knew that it didn't matter, matter whether or not I divorced David that day or the next. I knew my circumstances would not change. My husband was gone and I was left with two young daughters and the only option I had that would make any difference in my life was whether or not I drew near to God. And that's exactly what I did. I read my Bible and I prayed. Romans 5, three through five. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We don't have enough time to run through all my faults, all the chaos I caused during the next four years. For four years living in the hell of a heroin addiction, I was in and out of jobs, I was in and out of our home, I was in and out of jail, I would disappear for days and weeks at a time. I wrecked cars, I drained our bank accounts, I put my children in harm's way. I stole from family, friends, and strangers. I stole tools from Home Depot, family heirlooms. I even stole my wife's wedding rings twice. In my chaos, I still showed up for re-engage, regen, now, or regen, re-engage, now round two, telling people that I was sober and doing good. 
my wife and others saw through it. And I thought because she was a godly woman that she would never leave me, that she needed me to, needed me to provide. In 2016, I, w- I was once again physically removed from my home by men of this church. My wife was given no choice but to file for a divorce. You would think I would have hit bottom, but I kept going. It was a weight lifted off of me that I didn't have to pretend anymore, and I could do what I wanted. There are not enough words to describe the hurt and heartache that I suffered, the fear and hopelessness that tried to consume me. I wouldn't wish these circumstances on anyone, ever. The ups and downs, the lies and manipulation, the one step forward and three steps back, the things, hopes, and dreams that I grieved, I would pray, cry, and pray some more. Sometimes I would even catch myself wishing it could just go back to when he was just using pills. At least he could still hold a job and would show up for us then. I would make those little justifications because anything was better than having literally everything stolen from or collapse around me. But I rooted myself in scripture and prayer and re-engage and in the prodigal ministry here at Watermark. David selfishly used my faithfulness to affirm his addiction, thinking I would never leave him. But he was spiraling out of control, and I had no, and I had to remove myself and our children from his path of destruction. For financial and physical protection, I filed for divorce. I was emotionally distraught. It was just a matter of time before David died. Not that I wished him dead, but it was inevitable. The amount of drugs he was consuming, his days were numbered. But even in the midst of that harsh reality, even though I was emotionally distraught, I was at peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. I was near still still waters and my soul was restored, not because David was sober, but because Christ's love was so overwhelming. John 15, five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Most people would think that all that time I spent at church was a waste as I was not heeding God's word and listening to the counsel of others. I was numbing myself strictly out of fear and shame, and I thought there is no way that God could love me now. But as little as faith was, a seed was planted. In April of 2017, months after Lauren filed for divorce, I was walking the streets of downtown Dallas looking for something to steal, something that I can pawn, something of value so I can find my value in a needle. Alone on the streets, God reminded me of his love and grace for me with a piece of paper that got stuck to my leg. That paper literally said, God loves you. You see, even though I was searching the streets, I was crying out, praying, God help me, God, I can't do this on my own. In that moment, it's like the scales fell off my eyes. Two days later, on April 20th of 2017, I walked into an inpatient discipleship recovery program. That's four years to the date that I originally confessed to Lauren. God is in the details. Psalm 32, 3, O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. David graduated from the discipleship program and returned home in early 2018. I never finalized the divorce. That next Sunday, we walked into this church, and the men he hadn't seen in over a year welcomed him home. 
That Monday, he walked into Region with a renewed commitment to finishing the race he had started years before. A little over a year after coming home, we were both running hard after God and others. But we needed to pause and make sure we were still in sync with each other. So we jumped back in to re-engage round three. Sorry. You would think by the time you go through re-engage multiple times and start re-gen multiple times and start re-engage for the third time, you would have it down. I'm not going to lie. It was hard. Watching Lauren relive the hurt and heartache that I caused. But as hard as it was, it was, a, it was restorative to go through that process together. To be reminded of how to communicate and how to love and serve each other well. It was a honing process covered in humility, grace, and forgiveness. Through this journey, I learned that I had deep-rooted issues and my drug was just a symptom of my brokenness. I learned, I learned that we all struggle with sin regardless of the symptoms and how they surface. I told you earlier that God is in the details. What's even more incredible about his story in our lives is that this very church from which I stole, this church from which I carry felony charges, this church hired me to be on their staff. I have sat in more meetings with more leaders than I can probably ever count. If you would have told me that in just a few short years, all will be well, and David would be on staff at Watermark, I would have thought you were probably doing drugs with him. But God, Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. The number one question that I get asked from other women I meet with is how did you know he had changed? How did you know you could trust him? How did you know it was going to be different? There were some small signs, but at the end of the day, I didn't know. But I didn't put my trust in David. I did and still do put my trust in God, regardless of what David does. David is not the same person that I married. He is the man that I prayed he would become. A godly husband, servant-hearted, a leader and provider of our family, faithfully walking with the Lord every single day. People who walk this path with us, know us, or hear our story tend to describe me as strong or brave, but what I hope you see in my story is not me being courageous or strong, but Christ's power in me through the Holy Spirit. There's a song I love that says, shame is a prison, as cruel as a grave. I can stand before you today and share our testimony without shame or embarrassment because of the freedom found in Christ. So I leave you with this encouragement. You are not alone. God is with you. You are never too far gone. Your circumstances are never too far from God's reach. God loves you and the weight of his love far surpasses the weight of your sins. Thank you for letting us share.